Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The idea that all new to credit consumers are high risk and let them prove themselves with somebody else before you take them on. That's really one of the things that we wanted to debunk as part of this study. My very first job out of university was at a bank. In the weeks before I started, I visited my local branch and, with only my offer letter in hand, signed up for an account, an overdraft, and my very first credit card. A few years later, when I was buying my first house, I got a pre-approved staff mortgage at the very best rates in the market. In other words, me, the guy who was so often designing the strategies that provided credit to the market, had no idea what it meant to be new to credit or credit invisible. And I'm not unique, of course. It's a problem in almost every industry that the more entrenched we become as insiders, the less we remember what it's like to be an outsider. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. As I chat to Charlie Wise, a transunion institution, about his team's global study of new-to-credit customers. Okay, well, Charlie Wise, Senior Vice President of Research and Consulting at TransUnion, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. You were for a long time in the running to be TransUnion's most traveled employee, I think every week or two somewhere else in the world, but I've settled down a little bit more. That said, we're recording today in London, so you're not chained to your desk in Chicago by any means. So before we get into the new to credit study and, and what that all means, Maybe we can start by talking a bit about your role at TransUnion and what your team around the world is bringing to the market. That sounds great. The role of research and consulting is to take this data that TransUnion has in the US, the UK, Canada, Hong Kong, India, South Africa, many of the major markets around the world. We sit on this consumer credit data and we have amazing insights into how consumers are acting, behaving, performing on the credit they take on for everyday expenses, for major purchases, et cetera. We have the ability to essentially look at the credit wallets of hundreds of millions of consumers around the world. And that's what my team really does is to dig into this data, to understand the major trends, to be able to talk about how the consumer is contributing to the overall economic health of the different markets and what lenders can better do to serve the needs of consumers going forward. Yeah, and I think the term research can get used in many ways, but we're talking here, and well, in particular, we're going to talk here about the new to credit study you've recently published. It's a study that's based on deep analysis of the actual bureau data that's been reported to you at TransUnion, as well as traditional survey-based approaches, asking consumers what they think. So before we get into what that's showing us, could you describe this new to credit study, kind of the scope of it? The new to credit study really stems from TransUnion's desire to, to help promote financial inclusion around the world. Financial inclusion is a major strategic priority of ours to get more consumers access to the credit they need and deserve. 
consumers that can access credit have more ability to purchase homes, to get the vehicles and transportation they need to be able to get to work, to start small businesses, et cetera. So promoting financial inclusion is very important to TransUnion and understanding new to credit consumers is one of those foundational pieces. The consumers are coming into the credit market for the first time. Who are they? What do they look like? How do they perform? To essentially paint that picture, to demystify this group that many lenders and governments and policymakers may not have the tools to understand themselves. So we wanted to bring those insights to market and share that. Yeah, it's an interesting space for a credit bureau because I guess over the last 40 or so years that there's been a credit bureau score in the market, it's grown so ubiquitous to use that there's a, a world for people that are on the inside, the people that have a credit bureau score. But for people on the outside with no credit bureau report or no credit bureau score, there's this big uh, barrier to entry. Typically, when we look at this and we define new to credit consumers as those who are opening their first traditional credit product, we've got history in our credit bureau data that looks back you know, many, many years. And so we're able to see, is this a consumer that maybe had credit three, four years ago, took a pause and is back in? We're able to essentially push those aside and say, no, we're really looking for people who are opening their first traditional credit product for the first time. And by traditional credit product, I mean credit cards, auto loans, mortgages, personal loans, student loans, the kinds of things that are reported to credit bureaus. Understanding that in many markets, there are informal lending arrangements that may not be reported to the bureaus. TransUnion has no visibility to that. So those are, are obviously not included in our study. And the study period looks at those new to credit consumers for the first two years of their credit journey. And we basically want to understand after you open your first product, what do you then do? How do you then perform on your first product and your subsequent products? Typically, in the markets that we look at, about 2 to 3% of the adult population is the amount of new-to-credit consumers we're seeing come into the market each year. And certainly, the last couple of years have been quite interesting with the pandemic, uh, disrupting a lot of economies, a lot of credit markets. But we are seeing about 2 to 3%, up to 4%. I think India is the leading market that we looked at, about 4%. How many are there? about 6 million consumers in the United States. In Canada, about a million consumers a year. In India, because India is a very large market, about 35 million consumers a year become new to credit. So there is globally tens of millions of consumers that are collectively entering the credit market for the first time. So it's an important and sizable enough market that it really matters. Looking at the report you know, across all the countries measured, which includes yeah, developed countries, developing countries, northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere, eastern and western. So a real global view. Yes, there are a lot of young people, obviously, but actually sort of 40% of people or so are not brand new graduates, brand new workers. There are many reasons people are, are new to credit. Absolutely. And particularly in developed markets, places like the United States, UK, Canada, the new adults those Gen Z consumers who are adulting for the first time tends to be the largest portion of new to credit consumers, but not all of them, as you noted. In many cases, what you're finding is consumers that maybe haven't had a need for credit before they reach their 30s, but for the first time, they say, you know, this world of paying cash, this world of using public transportation, maybe it's I have a new need or maybe something has changed. We also certainly see in a lot of markets that immigrants, new to country consumers that may be older in many cases represent a significant portion of the new credit population. Canada is a, is a perfect example of a market that has a large ongoing influx of immigrants new to country. They need credit, they open it. It's interesting to see, though, that 
India, the largest new credit market, in fact, you know, the largest population market that we were able to study, the largest population of new to credit consumers does not come from Gen Z, but actually the next older generation, the millennials. And our research found that that was largely due to the fact that India still is a very unpenetrated market. There's a lot of geographies. There's a lot of the population that just haven't yet had the opportunity to join the credit market. So there's a lot of, I'll call it playing catch up in the India market. Those older consumers that may not have either understood how to get credit or because they live in rural areas, there was simply nowhere to get credit, are now getting it for the first time. The interesting thing, I think probably the main takeaway from the study is that actually there isn't a huge amount of risk coming from these people in their first product. So talk to me about how you looked at the risk of these incoming new to credit customers and what it showed you about the inherent risk of first-time borrowers. There were two angles that we took. We took a quantitative, well, it was all very quantitative, but one looked at the measured reported credit data about these consumers. We're able to see the products they opened, when they opened them, how much they took out, and what was their subsequent repayment performance? Did they pay as agreed? Did they go into delinquency or charge off? We also coupled that with a market research study where we surveyed consumers that were identified as new to credit because we want to kind of marry that, what drove you to get credit, what was your experience, what's important to you, what are we able to observe, as well as understand what's going on in the, in the mind of the new to credit consumer because it really helps you understand how better to serve them. So when we looked at the performance data of consumers when they opened their first product, what we found is that, surprisingly, the performance on both the first product they opened as well as in subsequent products that they opened over their first two-year journey compared to existing credit consumers, those that had a more established track record of borrowing, their repayment performance was, all else you know, being equal, pretty comparable, which means that lenders are doing a good job of essentially making sure that those new to credit consumers aren't getting in over their heads. They're not giving them credit cards with huge limits or large loans that they may struggle with. They're essentially helping them along that journey, giving them as much credit as they can manage, but then hopefully they're able to quickly respond and say, okay, those that pay as agreed, their first six payments, for instance, on their credit card, they pay as agreed. Maybe I'll start metering out larger and larger limits because they've proven themselves as being able to manage that. But it's interesting to see that you can measure that down to quite a fine detail. And obviously that varies by client and country. And we'll talk at the end again about how people can contact you. But for any lender that's interested in maybe revisiting their new to credit score, they can look at the hard numbers. This is not something they need to take your word for. You can really track those performances at over two years, uh, which I think is uh, reassuring. Exactly. And one of the challenges is with lending to new credit consumers is that many of them, because they don't have that credit history, there's very little data on which to assess them, at least from a traditional standpoint. So what we're seeing is in many markets, lenders are more and more looking for and getting access to alternative data, things like rental payments, telco utility payments, other types of obligations that consumers have where they're able to demonstrate that behavior, the more they're able to access that, the more confident they can be in extending that credit. So that's a big development we've seen over the last five, 10 years, that resurgence and, and certainly strong demand for what other data are available if you don't have that traditional credit report. What have you interpreted from kind of the reasons that people are giving you to why they're taking that first product and maybe how that varies with the, the product needs and the product offerings uh, across the world? 
When we look at the first product opened by new to credit consumers, there's a pretty wide divergence by market. So in markets like developed markets, the US, Canada, UK, the most commonly opened first product for new to credit consumers is a credit card. And in a lot of these markets, the credit card market is is very well developed. Credit card lenders have developed tools to bring consumers into the market that have no history. They can assign very small limits. In some cases, they can put in place secured cards that consumers need to put down a deposit against which to, to spend or borrow to manage that risk. There's ways to manage against that, but these are highly developed credit card markets with a high degree of penetration of consumers that have that product. And so in those markets, having a convenient means to spend is the, is the primary reason given. And I think that has to do with the product itself because credit cards, yes, are a source of borrowing, but they're also a means of conducting transactions, travel tickets and reserving hotel rooms and things like that that maybe consumers don't necessarily want to spend cash on or that need to bridge short term a large purchase and pay it off over several months. So it is a tool of convenience. It's a credit tool of convenience that a lot of consumers, particularly those that are starting their first jobs, that are adulting for the first time, recognize that they need in those markets. Let me contrast that then with the developing markets where credit cards not nearly as mature a product. It's much less widely held in markets like India, Colombia, South Africa. A far smaller percentage of the credit active population have credit cards. And credit card issuers in those markets are much less likely to have that be a product they want to put in front of somebody that doesn't have any credit history. So what you tend to find is that in those markets, the first product tends to be things that facilitate purchases. In South Africa, it's clothing accounts. In India, it's what's called consumer durable loans, essentially loans that are used to finance larger ticket items like household goods, appliances, etc. And in Colombia, the types of, of consumer spending finance loans, a consumer needs to make a large purchase. They don't have the cash. For the first time, they're recognizing that I need to bridge that gap between what I have in my checking account today and what I need to spend on. It's not necessarily that they're needing to take on debt because they can't make ends meet. They need to make a large purchase. And they're recognizing that the value of credit is it lets you bridge that gap between income and spending in a way that is responsible. And so that's where we see that big divergence in terms of the product and what they need. And when we ask consumers, it very much does dovetail. They say, I have a need to, you know, to spend. I need to make a large ticket purchase, that that really correlates with the product they choose to open. As people get this first product, as they do get their first entry into the world of traditional credit. You surveyed them and asked them about the expectations of future demand, and we see that actually this point is the start of what they expect to be a relatively dense period of credit demand, that in the next uh, year or so they want to or expect to need to take out several other credit products. You know, if you're trying to sell products, there's not many times in someone's life when they are out there looking for lots of products at once. And you know, starting your first job or entering the market for the first place is one of those where you might want the credit card first, but then you might need a car loan. You may even want a mortgage or some other things to get that life on track. So this is not something we're thinking about it in relationship terms and I'll give them a small limit credit card today. It's I'll give them a small credit card today, but maybe I can also cross-sell them a personal loan. Maybe I can cross-sell them an auto loan in a few months. Maybe in a, a year or two, I can cross-sell them a mortgage. These are consumers that anybody looking for growth should be interested in you know, in the, the relatively short term. Lenders face that interesting dilemma of they're always looking for growth. They're always looking for profitable new customers. But in many cases, they're concerned about 
I would say, diving in too deep with consumers that don't necessarily have that track record. They want to wait until somebody's established their track record somewhere that place else, really proven themselves to be able to, to manage their debt. And then they want to jump on them and create a loyal relationship. Well, that's a very expensive proposition because it means you have to dislodge somebody from where they've been previously. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That's one of the things that we wanted to shine a light on is to understand, are these people really riskier? In other words, you need to wait or do they reveal themselves pretty quickly? And that's really what we found is that based on the performance of consumers, when they open those subsequent products over the first two-year journey, in many cases, they actually perform better. Controlling for credit score perform better than those that have established that track record. And we think that's important because if lenders are looking for profitable customers, they're looking for loyalty. They're looking for customers that are going to all else be equal, take out additional products with the same lender and not shop around every time. Well, we found through lots of our research that being that first lender or taking care of consumers early in that journey is an opportunity to create that loyalty. Wow, Bank XYZ really took care of me when nobody else would. Now that my needs have expanded, now that I need that auto loan, now that I need you know a personal loan, I'm going to go back to them. And that really is is an opportunity for that long-term profitable relationship as opposed to a one-off transaction. These consumers value transparency. They value understanding the credit product. And maybe that's something that's given by now pay later a leg up in the market. But more broadly, I think it maybe speaks to the need to, you know, to educate the customer, to have a transparent product that they can see. And perhaps even that journey that the consumer can see, okay, this is how I'm going to go from where I am today to an auto loan and a mortgage in five years' time. There's been some positives and there's been some negatives in terms of the credit awareness uh, among younger consumers, particularly in developed markets, but I'd say in developing markets as well, that in some cases, debt is being portrayed as a four-letter word. In the United States, where you know, where I am, a lot of younger consumers um, do further education. They take out student debt. In some cases, there's a lot of burden when they get out of school. And they're conditioned to think of debt as a bad thing, something to be avoided. I've talked to younger people that have actually said, it's like, I'll never go into debt. I don't want to take on debt. To which my answer is, so you have no interest in owning a home? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy a house someday. It's like, and you're going to pay cash? No, I'll take out a mortgage. But that's not debt. And yes, it very much is debt. So I think this, this idea of thinking of debt as a credit card that you're overextended and you can't pay back or a student loan that you may not be able to see a light at the end of the tunnel, that there's a balance that debt can be, and in many cases is, a very useful tool for accomplishing what you want to do. If you need to save up the money to buy a home, 
you know as well as I do that many markets, it's going to take you a lot of decades before you're ready to, to pay cash for uh, for anything other than a than a studio apartment or a trailer in some places. If you want to own that home in time that your small children can live there, you're going to have to build to borrow money, and that means establishing a credit track record. That means taking on debt responsibly, showing to lenders and others that you can manage that debt, building up your own skills around that, because managing debt really is, it's a muscle that needs to be developed and nurtured over time. And in a lot of cases, there is a, you know, an opportunity and responsibility by lenders to educate consumers about both the positive need for and uses of, of debt to accomplish your life goals, but also what good debt management skills look like. So that when consumers say things like, I don't want to take out more debt because I don't want to become over-indebted, helping them understand how much debt can you afford based on your income level? What is a responsible level of debt? What kinds of things do you need to do to protect yourself from rising interest rate environments? That is a very topical um, point of discussion right now. Or income security. Do you feel secure in your current job that you feel like you, you know, don't have to worry about that? Or are you a gig worker that might you know, have a much more fluctuating income? That's all part of credit education that I think lenders can help consumers. The more they know, the more that they can demystify this, the more the debt can be used as a tool and not as one of those unavoidable necessities. I think it speaks to the need now to have a far more nuanced strategy for new to credit. They're not this homogenous, high-risk population that's just going to accept whatever's being offered to them. So it obviously varies by market. And I think for the most part, the best case is for somebody to come in and speak to their local representative to to study their market in more detail. But broadly speaking, looking at what you've seen in this report, what are some takeaways that lenders can maybe think about when they consider what their strategy is and, and should be for the new to credit customers in their market? I think the more analytic approach that lenders can take, the more that they can make the kinds of decisions that's going to get the right credit at the right price into the hands of consumers that need it. So clearly, if you have a consumer that's demonstrated that they struggle with debt, they took out a first product and went bad on it pretty quickly, maybe they just can't handle the debt based on their income. Maybe they're just not yet responsible borrowers because they don't understand what it entails to make timely monthly payments, as a for instance. If you've proven yourself, it may be that lenders have no recourse but to kind of charge as much as lending laws will allow them to to say, we have to protect ourselves against this risk. If you need credit, that's fine. But knowing that the vast majority of consumers, new to credit consumers that open new credit products and even their first credit product, they're going to pay as agreed. The more you understand who those consumers are and not just paint a broad brush and say, well, you're new to credit or you've never had a product before, or you've just opened your first product, I'm going to charge you as much as, as possible because you must be riskier and I need to protect myself against that. Well, to be honest, for lenders, you're going to get a lot of adverse selection because the only people that are going to, in many cases, take that very expensive debt are the people that have no choice, that absolutely need that credit. That's who you don't want. So I think that this study is a great start, but it's not certainly the end game in terms of saying, so what would be the right pricing? What score cutoff would I use over there? Those are analytic studies that we do with individual lenders all the time to help them better understand that. But just demystifying the idea that all new to credit consumers are high risk and let them prove themselves with somebody else before you take them on. That's really one of the things that we wanted to debunk as part of this study. The next step, if somebody wants to, with more consideration, look at this, wants to access the report and see the charts for themselves, 
or even if they want to speak to somebody who can walk them through it and its deeper meanings for their market, where can somebody go to to start that conversation? TransUnion.com for each country where we operate has versions of this report that you can find. I don't have the URL right off the top of my head, but certainly you'll be able to find that on the website. This was a recent study published in the US and Canada. We launched it at the end of January 2023 and other markets we rolled it out. So looking on our website, you'll be able to find that, download the full report, infographics, uh, et cetera. And there's contact information for who to get in touch with at TransUnion to follow up on next steps. And we've been talking to many, many lenders in many markets about this report in general, as well as what can we do to help lenders better understand this population? Again, these studies are at a market level. Each individual lender is going to have their own nuance on that, depending on what products they specialize in, what segment of the market they specialize in, what their own risk appetite looks like. That means that, as always, results will vary depending on where exactly you choose to play in that consumer life cycle. If you really want to focus on new to credit consumers, if you're looking for more mature consumers, high risk, low risk, et cetera, we help lenders all the time figure out how to use data and analytics to better target to get the right consumers in the door and fund that profitable growth. If you look at your research agenda for the next six months to, well, let's talk about the rest of 2023. Are there any other big studies, other big topics? Some of the things that we're looking at right now have to do with the very timely topics of impact of inflation on consumer credit markets. How has inflation been impacting and expected to continue to impact consumers and their capacity to manage their debt? With inflation has been significant rise in interest rates in, in many markets as well. And these things all impact consumer affordability. You know, when you have to pay more for everyday goods and when you have to pay more for interest on your mortgage or credit cards, sometimes that puts a squeeze on, on consumers. Not everyone, but certainly a segment of the market. So better understanding who, who is more vulnerable versus who's more resilient in markets is really important and something that TransUnion has been spending a lot of time focused on. We're also recognizing that many markets are continuing to, to, to look at the R word, um, you know, potential for a recession, although it seems like a recession is just around the corner, but has been for about six, six months. So where that corner actually is, we'll see. I was feeling better last week and <laughs> now feeling worse again, but yes. Exactly. There's, a, there's good news, bad news, it seems like every day, but certainly understanding what that might mean and understanding based on historical performance and historical views of consumer credit markets in the US and elsewhere, you know, what happened during the great financial crisis of 2008, 2009. How did markets react? Might we expect some similar things this time around? Or is this a fundamentally different circumstance that's likely going to affect consumers in a different way? That's another thing that we really want to understand. We'd all love a crystal ball, but I think the more that we can use history as a guide to what might happen in the future and what some scenarios might be are things that we're really paying attention to because we get asked that by lenders all the time. Great. Well, Charlie, an absolute pleasure to see you again. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Great to be with you. All right. Thanks. And thank you all for listening. Please do look for and follow the show on your favorite podcast platform and share the updates widely on LinkedIn, where lending nerds are found in our largest concentration. Plus, send me a connection request while you're there. This show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange, in Brighton, England, and edited by Fina Charlson of FC Productions. Show music is by I Am Wake. 
And you can find show notes and written transcripts at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show or just www.htlmts.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.